It's time now for the complete story with Dick Bott, a public news and information feature of Bot Radio Network to keep you informed about the most important issues of our day. Now, here is Dick Bott with today's complete story. You know, Rich, it's interesting as you walk through time, uh, you meet some of the most interesting, wonderful people. And not always where you expect to. You go to a conference and you go to a big whatever, this, that, or the other thing, and then the people you meet, uh, that's all wonderful and they're all important, except you don't really get to know them. But sometimes it's the people in life that you encounter, that you come to know, that you don't expect, that become just the the richest and most wonderful, uh, inspiring part of your life. Isn't that a blessing, when the, the Lord puts people in your path to uh, to share your joy and your burdens? A number of years ago... I saw a publication called Soul Magazine, S-O-U-L Magazine, and it was just filled with stories of people um, showing the grace of God in their lives and that sort of thing. It was wonderful, and I just enjoy reading it so much. Well, where did this come from? I hadn't heard of this before. So I found that it was published by uh, Patricia and Richard Dasher, D A S. C-H-E-R. And what wonderful friends they have become. And now here they are in the studio of Bot Radio Network, and we can share their story and what they, what they have gone through in their life's experience with our whole Bot Radio Network family. That's a pretty good connection, isn't it? Oh, that is a good connection. You know, Dad, and there's even more to that, because if you go to the uh, Bot Radio Network website and you research the history, the story of Bot Radio Network, you'll see about the early days and, and how you got involved in Christian broadcasting and so forth. And that's an adaptation of the story that was written by Patricia Dasher in Soul Magazine. I forgot and so, that. That's right. So we, we've updated it over the years, but that is where that story comes from. So thank Wait you, minute, Patricia. Did, did, did we give her proper credit for that? We did. We did. So it wasn't plagiarism. No. We better settle, no. I better settle that right now. <laughs> but I do, yes, I had forgotten that, but I do remember when Patricia asked me, well, what is your story? And, and that was in Soul Magazine. But anyway, here they are in the studio because their life is so interesting. It's going to be an inspiration. It's going to be an encouragement. It's going to be an awakening to so many people in our entire audience. And I also want to talk about the book that they have written. And, folks, you want to get a pencil and paper ready because whatever you think at the moment, you're going to want to write this down. The book is called Choose Love, comma, Life, comma, Hope, and Courage. And then the big type on the cover of the book is Suicide. Is not your answer by Patricia Dasher. Well, anyway, I think I'm going to start out with Richard. Richard, you have been through a health crisis beyond belief uh, just in the past. How many months was that? Tell us. Well, it started on November 9th of 2015. I was out deer hunting and uh, early in the morning, and uh, I saw the sun coming up. It was a beautiful day. And the next thing I know, I was laying on the ground with my face in the leaves trying to figure out what was going on. And obviously... In I'm, other words, everything else was a blank. Were you hunting in a deer stand up in a tree? Yeah, about 12, 13 foot up. Uh, and yes, uh, I, it was a total blank. I just woke up and couldn't figure out why I was down there. I thought, 
You don't hunt with your face down in the leaves like okay. this. Okay, I'll stop right there. Where were you born? Where were you raised? Oh, I was born in St. Louis, Missouri, and just raised right there. All right, I, raised in St. Louis, and so on and so forth. And then, and then, your education took you to become what? A chemical engineer. So here you were, a chemical engineer. And then having retired and you were in good shape, good physical shape and so on and so yes. forth, at least good enough so you thought you could climb up in that tree where it probably is the best place that I've learned. If you're going to go deer hunting, you get up there where you can see the deer, but the deer can't see you. That's so right. So tell us the rest of the story. Well, I finally, uh, I just laid there with my face in the leaves for a while. I just felt funny and tired. And I woke up later and said, you know, I must have fallen. I better get out of here and get home. And then I looked up in the tree, and I saw my arrows up there, so I climbed up the ladder, got my arrows out. Oh, you were a bow and arrow hunter? Yes. Okay. And then I hiked about a quarter of a mile down to the car. Well, it kind of hurt a little bit as I walked. I got in my uh, vehicle and had to drive 25 miles home. And uh, I started walking up the porch steps, and I thought, boy, you know, this, I'm really stiff and sore. Uh, I've got to go in and lay down. I get these clothes off and lay down. And uh, Patricia came up to me, and I said, honey, just give me a couple of muscle relaxants and let me lay here and rest. I fell. I didn't. She didn't know I was up in a tree. She just thought yeah, I fell. Yeah. So I, I called I called my brother Randy and I said, Randy, uh, Richard fell, and he said, get him to the emergency room right now. What is there about telling him that Richard fell that caused Randy to have such a reaction? Randy knew that he had been about thirteen feet high in a deer stand, and that's oh, how he fell. Oh, so Randy I didn't knew, know that. Randy knew the whole story. Go yeah. ahead, Richard. Anyhow, uh, they they uh, forced me to go over to the hospital, have an X-ray, and they found that I had four uh, ruptured discs, and two of them were what they call burst fractures, which apparently are really bad. And I had some cracked ribs, and uh, they said we're going to send you by an ambulance up to the uh, Missouri University Hospital in Columbia, Missouri, because. You're going to need attention that we couldn't give you here. Uh-huh. And I more or less remember going up there. I, After that, it's just a blank for probably two weeks. I was absolutely didn't know anything. I yeah. mean, I can't remember anything about it. And the point is it became more and more and more serious and life-threatening. Uh life-threatening as well as will you ever get well and be able to walk and have mobility again the rest of your life it was how long that you went through that dark dark journey i'd say two to three months altogether uh i uh got out of the hospital uh i mean i I finally came to after they took me off of a respirator and all that stuff, and they said, we're going to do your back surgery. And uh, that means getting into the spine. That's right. They, See, you say back surgery. That's like saying we're going to do surgery on your arm or maybe your <laughs> But I'm telling you, the minute I hear back surgery, I know that deals with the spine. And I have a very dear friend who is a doctor. In, uh, in neurosurgery, and he said, Dick, this is touchy stuff. 
Well, that was the first thing I said to her. I, I remember that much at the hospital when they mentioned it. I said, oh, no, I don't believe in back surgery. And I guess they said, sir, when you have burst fractures, you will end up paralyzed if we don't do something. And he, I, They were in his spine. He had four fractures in his spine. And that's why he had to have two rods and 16 pins in his back. So that was, see, now she's getting into the way they finally, two separate rods driven down your back. And then how many pins? Well, they call them pins. I have 16. But they, to me, I saw an x-ray. They look like plain old wood screws. You know, uh, and I know Patricia, uh, she was asking for prayer. She was reaching out to everybody. Uh, telling what she was going through and just trying to, to, to pray for you and 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 be there for you as your as her as your wife, and everything else, but having having so little that she could actually do, but asking people, will you please pray, and uh, and then that went on. You say for two or three months. Yes, all altogether it did. Uh, we thought I was better after a while. They did the surgery. Next thing I knew, I had a collapsed lung. After the collapsed lung, uh, they found a blood clot in my arm and started giving me blood thinners. And then when they pulled the tube out, uh, when you have a collapsed lung, they have to shove a tube into you. Yes. When they pulled that out, apparently it bled in there. And uh, uh, I just thank God one of the doctors said, I couldn't sleep last night thinking about you. We're ready to send you home. Wait a minute. See, they were about ready to send you home. They pulled the tube out. They did not know that they had caused a bleed in doing so. And the doctor in the middle of the night came in then and said, you know what? I just couldn't couldn't release you uh, to send you home without checking further to find out what's going on there because a bleed in a lung is going to cause a person to not be able to, what is it, your heart is... Well, you just don't do well. You can't breathe. That lung becomes unusable. That was on the right side. And Before you know it, that's turned into a heart attack and Katie barred the door. Yes. His, his yeah. lung had completely collapsed and it was surrounded with blood that had al- already clotted. And it was major surgery, much more major surgery to do this lung surgery than it was to do yeah. the back surgery. So the doctor couldn't sleep and then what happened? He, he said, I couldn't sleep. And he said, we've got to do a CAT scan. And when they saw the CAT scan, his lung had collapsed and was surrounded with blood. He was in serious shape. Yeah. Mm. What happened next? Well, they uh, went ahead and said, we're going to put in, do this little arthroscopic and try to take the blood out. And next thing I knew, I woke up and the guy said, I'm sorry. He said, I had to go ahead and cut you open and I've got a six-inch cut back there. And he said, I had to dig my hands in and take the clots of blood out that way. So, See, this may sound a little gory to the listeners, and I don't want it to be something. However, you got to understand now that a bleed outside of the lung, as that grows and collects more, it tends to keep the lung from being able to inflate. Yeah. And you end up with a lung that cannot fill with air on the inside because of the pressure from the bleed on the outside. That's right. 
That's right. So and it's all internal. So all this time, Patricia, were you praying? Did you have I was people praying, praying? Did you I have a prayer praying. chain? I was praying. I was calling Dick Bott and saying, please, please pray for my husband. He was in intensive care for 10 days. He could not breathe. They had to have him on a respirator. They had to have him sedated. He was in very serious shape. He didn't know how serious he was, but he was in very serious shape. <laughs> and so, yes, we. I, I was calling Dick, and Dick was texting me and giving me one inspirational, encouraging message after another and, yeah. and helping me to have the courage to get through this with him. Now, now listen, folks, I, I want everyone to just, just pause for a minute, whatever you're doing, and think about this. That's why when you are a Christian and you've given your heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ, you trust him. His will is perfect. Isn't it a wonderful thing that you can say, I don't know what to do, Lord. I don't know where to go. I don't know exactly what to do, but I trust you. I trust you. My faith is in you. Um, I don't want to introduce any levity here or anything like that, but isn't it interesting how the doctors, they always say they're practicing medicine. You know? <laughs> I always think, well, when will you get it right, you know? Uh, you're practicing medicine, but I'll tell you this, when the Lord is in charge and he is worthy of your faith and trust, you can just have that peace that passes understanding, but it isn't all that easy to apply what I've just said, is it? Well, it isn't, but I use that exact verses that came to my mind. I think it's Philippians 4, 6 through 7, where it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Yeah. And that just came to me, and I'd tell that to the different nurses and that even, and no, it was no, amazing. No, you, you correct me, but I know that as you got better and you were able finally two, three months to come home and your someone's over, then you get a call or something because Patricia's father is gravely ill, and that takes you many miles from home, clear into two or three across other states in totally foreign part of the country, way away from your home where you need to be at home to just restore and continue to heal and so on and so forth. Then all of a sudden, your life is drawn away from your home, clear down into this other state. Where was that? Uh, Corpus Christi, Texas. Corpus Christi, Texas. How far can you get? How far can you get in Corpus Christi, clear <laughs> down by the water in the Gulf of Mexico, where your father was very sick, but you went... Yep. You went, the two of you went, mm -hmm. the two of you went, and I'll tell you, that really got my attention. I thought, oh, my word, how deep can the tunnel get where there is no way to dig out? It's one thing after another. I want to put it that way because I know people listening right now, uh, they may say, well, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know the difficult time that I'm having. You don't know my situation. But I want to tell you, the Lord does. The Lord does, and he cares. And here's an example where the Lord really took them through the valley. The valley. Certainly not on the mountaintop. Not in those days, was it? 
No, it was not. How we, did that, how did that all one, turn out, Brit, Patricia? One scripture that God just kept bringing to my mind is, All things work together for good to those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. So no matter what happens, God is there. He's working it out for good, even if we can't understand it. Wow. And that's what I believe happened. Hey, you know Richard, also in this, wait, wait, the 23rd Psalm where, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. When you were going through that very uh, deep valley, Richard, did you feel the presence of the Lord? Did you feel like God was with you through that trial? Oh, absolutely. I never felt like that before. I just, he was so close, uh, Richard, it just... It was unbelievable, uh, and he just lifted me up. I really never had any fear. In fact, I felt great uh, joy in telling people thank you. And the lady that cleaned the floor in the room, or the the doctors, and uh, uh, it was just it was just a time of. This is silly, but it was uplifting almost. He he was like that. He was in, he was in the hospital on Christmas Day, and one of the uh, physical the. Uh, what year was that? What year? Christmas Day. Uh, well, that would have been Christmas of two thousand and fifteen. And fifteen, just yes. okay. And so he was there, and one of the uh, physical therapists came in, and I had gone down to lunch and come back, and when I came back, he was coming out, and he said, now I know why God wanted me to work on Christmas Day, because Richard had encouraged him so much that he felt like God had sent him there to be encouraged. Now, uh, God used Richard over and over again throughout his hospital stay, and he was in the hospital in Columbia, uh, University Hospital for almost two months, mm. and he had bleeding pneumonia. He had many, many complications, but he, through it all, he encouraged many, many people. Uh, folks, listen, um, there's a book now that I want you to write down because the story doesn't stop there. The story continues on for all of us. We know that. But there was always, there's also a beginning. There was a beginning. Sometimes a teenager, sometimes a child is brought through some terrible circumstances. Sometimes a child is exposed to things that are terrible. And, um, and once again, God is God. Never forget that. Now, the book is called Choose Love, Comma, Life, Hope, and Courage. Now, this really in, intrigues me, Patricia, uh, because the big title in the book is Suicide is Not Your Answer by Patricia Dasher. Tell us what on earth that all means. I, I wanted to write this book for many years, but when uh, Robin Williams committed suicide, I felt like I had to write this. Robin I, Williams, the movie actor. Yes, I love Robin Williams, and I think many, well, many he, people let do. Let me just say this. I, I don't know that he ever knew the Lord at all. Probably not. Absolutely not. But he was a tortured person in his personal life. Unbelievably talented. Even brilliant in his talent and his sensitivity, but he was so conflicted in his personal life. It's a very sorry thing that he finally 
came to the point where he just had an empty bucket and said, I just can't take it anymore. Well, many times comedians, professional comedians, are very sad people at home. At home. That's what makes them learn to be funny so they get people laughing, and that kind of helps them find their way. But anyway, go on. I went into the Christian bookstore, and I asked for every book they had on the subject of suicide, and they had one. And when I read it, it was so deep and so difficult to understand. I did not think the everyday person could understand it. So I began writing my book. And see, I have been to... I've worked in battered women's shelters, juvenile courts. I worked in a psychiatric ward where children had, uh, youth, youth had attempted suicide. I've had a lot of experience working with those who have been suicidal. And God has used me to help them to get through that. I, I knew what to do many times because I had been suicidal myself at the age of 13 and then at the age of 23. And God does not waste a oh, tear. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Now, he, man alive, you see, Patricia Dasher, can I just say, everybody knows I'm older than dirt. I'm 83 years old. But you see, um, and, and you folks are what? Your grandparents many times over, I'm sure. All that sort of thing. So when you... Um, I'm going to ask you flat out, how old are you, Patricia? I'm 67 All years right, old. All right, so at 67, you're looking back on your own childhood, which was not happy, not not nice, not something that anyone would choose for a child they loved, and yet you lived it, and you went through it. And I'm, I think now you're going to tell us God used that in your life to help other people. In both cases, God spoke to me. Uh, at the age of 23, I was going through a divorce, and I went to a graveyard, and I, I stood there thinking of the different ways I could commit suicide because I thought the only people in their graves were in their graves. They were the only people that had any peace, and so I thought that I needed to end my life. And as I was getting ready to leave the graveyard, uh, I looked up in the sky, and, and I said, only God could paint a picture like that. It was a beautiful sky that, 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 that afternoon. So I said, God, if you're there and you care about me, would you please help me? And I heard these words in my mind, seek and you will find, ask and it will be given to you, knock and the doors will be open to you. So I said, okay, God, I don't think like that. It's got to be you talking to me. So I said, God, I don't know where to, to seek. I don't know what doors to knock on. So I'm asking you to please send it to my front door, whatever it is I need. Have anyone in your young life, either when you were 13 or now you're in your 20s, and the whole thing has been one troubled mess. Had anyone, however, brought scripture into your life, anything of that sort, to give you any kind of a remembrance? Um, I had gone to a Baptist church. My sister and I had gone up to a Baptist church that was on the corner where we lived, and we would walk up there and go to that church when I was nine years old. And so uh, apparently I remembered that from when I was a kid. I oh, don't man. I don't know. I, I just knew I didn't talk like that to myself. I never told myself, oh, seek and you will find. Yeah. And so what happened was the next morning, a carload of ladies from the Baptist church pulled up in my driveway. And I thought, well, God has sent them to my drive. God has, God has sent them. I knew, I knew that. And so 
Uh, I opened the door, and these ladies said, God has sent us there. In fact, they said, Jesus Christ has sent us here to tell you that he loves you, and he wants to fill you with love, joy, and peace. And I said, that's exactly what I've been looking for. And so I invited them in. We sat down and talked, and I gave my heart and my life to Jesus Christ. And from that time on, I, I, was the, I was only 23. I hardly knew how to read, barely got through high school, making Fs almost all the way through. Oh. And I hardly knew how to read. And I felt like God was telling me to read the Bible and go to church. So I felt like those were the only two things he said to do. So I, I said, I don't know how to read your Bible, God. I just don't know how to do it. And so... I had a lady come to the door. She had a living Bible in her hand. She said, God told me to to bring this living Bible to you. So I started reading it, and I felt like I was reading a a love letter from God. He actually taught me to read. And not only that, by the time I was 25, I had my own column in the newspaper called Inspiration Point, and it, it was in the newspapers for almost 20 years, different newspapers. So God used that. He used my weakness. He used my hurts, my failures, and my tears for, the, his, for he, his glory. He used the emptiness to fill with what he wanted you to do in his name. Absolutely. Listen, as I'm listening to your talk, I'm thinking, thank God for the people that come to the door. Thank God for the people that share Christ. Thank God for the little Baptist church or the Nazarene church or the Pentecostal church or the Methodist church, wherever you can find, uh, wherever you can find him, him, and then forgiveness for the past and a new start and a new life that's called conversion to Christ, isn't it? Yes. From, th- from there, God sent me to the juvenile court to work with children, and I understood them because I had gone through what they'd been through. He sent me to prisons, and I loved and understood them too. He sent me to a battered women's shelter where I loved and understood them, and God used me to give them hope because he had given me hope. Hey, isn't there an old hymn, A Vessel of Blessing? God used me as a vessel of blessing to help other people. Your own life experiences, you know, God used that. And I'll tell you this, when you help the life of a child, you have really accomplished something for that whole life that is then out before them. Folks, now this book, this book is Suicide is Not Your Answer by Patricia Dasher. D-A-S-C-H-E-R. Where can they get a copy of this book? You can get a copy of this book on Amazon uh, from the 12th to the 16th of April. You can get it. Uh, you can download it on your Kindle absolutely free. Well, the 12th uh, to the 16th, that's coming to a close pretty quick. So if you're yes. going to read it free of charge on Kindle... Well, you better get started with it, folks, but then they can buy a copy of you the book. You can get a copy at a very reasonable price. It's only twelve yeah. ninety nine for a copy of uh, Suicide is Not Your Answer. I believe that everyone should n- read this book and know how to deal with someone who's suicidal. Oh, I, t- I, I really believe everyone should know how to do that. I tell you what. I tell you what now, folks. This book deals with the whole nine yards. It deals from A to Z. Choose love, life, hope, and courage. 
and people are having their own struggle right now. Sometimes it's a family member. Sometimes it's just disenchantment with marriage. Sometimes it's anything else under the sun. Sometimes you think I'm just all alone, whatever it is. Whatever it is, this is a book that you need to have, and you need to read it. It's right out of the life story of Patricia Dasher from A to Z. And uh, now do you include do you include Richard's story and his injury, his back injury in this? Uh, now that, that's my next book. Uh-huh. That's going to be the, the next hunting book. accident is my next book oh. on Richard's uh, story. And, well, I'll tell you this, folks. But Dad, if you look at the table of contents, the the chapters in here are very, very uh, helpful. Uh, inner healing for a ladies in prison, suicide at a juvenile court facility, suicidal teens in a psychiatric ward of a hospital, catastrophic grief after the suicide of a loved one, battered women's, all of these, you know, helping the disabled, seasonal affective disorders. There's a lot of very good practical information in here. I think there ought to be several copies in every church library. I think there ought to be at least one copy in every Christian home. And I believe that this is a book you can share with your loved ones after you yourself have read it and been blessed by it. We're going to have to get out of here, Rich. And Patricia, where does the hope come from? God. And, and I would encourage all of you to listen. 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 Listen when people are talking to you. Listen and care. And, and, and while you're listening, say, God, show me how to give them courage and hope during this time. Because most of the time, they give you some kind of warning. All right, there you have it, folks, the complete story as a public service. And we'll see you later. <laughs>